everybody. Welcome back to Staging a Podcast. This is John with you again. Today we'll be talking to Andrew Walsh. Andrew is on the Second Button Podcast, and he also hosts the East Coast DNA Podcast, which is a uh, pretty fun look at the East Coast artists of Canada. So what's going on today, dude? Not a whole lot. Spending some time getting work stuff situated and trying to get back into, into the workforce. I've been off for a bit. Yeah, you say you've been um, you've been off pretty much the whole uh, since the pandemic started. No, just since since March when when I got sick, I made it two years working through the pandemic, and then okay, the day that mask mandates got lifted in our province, I uh, got got COVID. <laughs> so, oh, that sucks. Yeah, and then I've been so. Um, you've been sorry. You've been. Uh, Re- rehabilitating since then yeah yeah shit that's a whole three months now yep just fatigue and yeah that muscle soreness and just feeling like crap 90 percent yeah of the day, well, so. and that just goes to show you that you know this thing hits everybody differently yeah exactly you know uh the covid itself and then the post-covid too you know yeah um i actually have a have a buddy who used to be on chicago fire and uh, after he got COVID, he would start having uh, syncopal episodes. Or, well, for those of you out there not medically trained, uh, dude would pass out out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And um, the doctors around here in Chicago had no clue what was going on. Um, he ended up going up to Mayo Clinic, and they just figured that it's, you know, some post-COVID situation. He, he's He's been getting a little bit better, but it's completely weird because for me it was like uh like a sinus infection yeah yeah my and, wife was uh pretty well off too so yeah so me both me and my wife we we just three days our sinuses were all gunked up by the end of the third day she had me moving furniture and painting bedrooms you know oh really so yeah i, yeah. Went, to, I went to physio like, last week and uh they had me lift a milk crate with 20 pounds in it and I got dizzy uh-huh. and had to sit down. My auction went down to 91 and my uh, fingertips got all, all white spotty. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah, it's unreal. That's wild. Yeah. Um, so it, you said physio, like physio control, like that makes the heart monitors and no, stuff? No, the physiotherapy session. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. okay. Just, sorry. Uh I'm a paramedic as well. I don't know if we mentioned that to the audience, but that's why we're talking. No. <laughs> yeah, no, we haven't. Um, but that, you know, the lifting the milk crate with 20 pounds, that sounds like one of the things they, they put us through in uh, in our test to either get into work or come back to work if we get injured. Yeah. You know, we yeah. got to do the um, bend, bend over at your waist and unscrew and screw on bolts for five minutes and lift a milk crate above your head and yeah, yeah, all kinds of, I love the, Oh, walk up and down the hallway 20 times. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, I guess, you know, in your situation that could be an issue. So yeah, exactly. So that, yeah, Um, I'm working, I'm working towards passing that, that exam, the physical exam. So, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully it turns around and you can do it and get back out on the street. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, I don't, I know, like, having my week off, week and a half off, like, the walls start getting, closing in, and 
you know, you end up running out of things, you know, you've been binge watched everything that's been in your queue. And <laughs> yeah, well, the first six weeks or so, I didn't even have energy to watch TV. Like I'd start watching a show, get 10 minutes in and just lose interest. Just, it just tired me. Just the mental focus tired me. But now I'm starting oh, wow. to feel a little better. And now that I want to do stuff, it's time to start getting ready to go back to work. <laughs> so you feel like, yeah, right. I had three months off, but I got nothing done. But when I look back, I didn't feel like doing really anything. I just, so now, now I want to do a bunch of stuff and it's time to start getting ready to go back. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, how about your podcasts? Uh, how long, how long have you been yourself a caster? The first one I started with my name on it would have been second button in past September of, uh, 2021 with Brian Gower from the tone jerks. Um, but I knew Brian for years from the tone jerks and I was on his podcast probably 2018, I would say it's my first time okay. they were in the double digits about back then for their episodes. Yeah. So quite a few years ago I was on that with him. And then the just surprising podcast, which you've had Joe and Doug on in the past, I believe. This and, uh, and, to and, Tony. and Tony as well. Yeah. Yep. So I uh, was on with them sporadically too. And then the one with my brother, I started the music based one. We started that in January of this year. And we're talking about it for a while. And we're like, when the pandemic's done, we're going to start this. And when the pandemic's done, and then it was, like, it was supposed to be like uh, following the resurgence of live music post COVID. But then we got tired of waiting for post COVID. And now, <laughs> so we. Uh, so it's. So now you just sort of do a retrospective of the bands in the area. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we start doing more interviews now, and we're getting lined up every two weeks, having a different artist on with us, and just talking about what's going on in their life and how they got there and everything. So we're enjoying oh, that's it. that's cool. And there's so much for a pretty sparse population of the province, or in the Maritimes alone. And the amount of talent here is just huge, and they're probably because there's not a whole lot else to do <laughs> so people yeah. just people just make music so it's good to good to get to know these people and showcase them a little bit and get other people knowing them so yeah that's pretty awesome and it's kind of one of the things that i was trying to do with this when i started is i was planning on it being just straight talking to musicians makers producers whatever um but it's also kind of gotten into a content creation thing mm -hmm. you know being that i've had a handful of uh a handful of podcasters on now so um, blake was one of your first ones wasn't he blake wyland yeah blake was um pretty early on god like number three or four i'd have to look mm -hmm. but yeah um i've been i've known blake now just through the internet for i don't know three four years mm -hmm. um you know i've sent his kids Christmas gifts and oh, really? you know, yeah. he's yeah. Um, we, uh, we'll text back and forth on a fairly regular basis. So, you know, we've never met in person. Unfortunately, he, uh, doesn't get to, uh, doesn't end up coming to Chicago for some reason. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, actually the, uh, the, the first thing I sent him was a, uh, I overnighted him a, uh, Chicago deep dish pizza from one of the restaurants in Chicago. Oh, really? Yeah, because I got tired of hearing him saying, 
oh yeah, you know, I've, I've had this type of pizza, that type of pizza, but I've never had an actual Chicago deep dish. So I was just like, you know what? I'm tired of hearing this. I'm here. I'm overnighting you. What's your address? Yeah, exactly. My, uh, so. when me and my wife first started dating, she went to Chicago and she brought me home a slice. They got a pizza and she put a slice home for me on the plane. So that was my, okay. my first time, my only time having it. So. Is that what you guys normally eat, though? If you order a pizza, do you order a deep dish, or is it just kind of the touristy thing to do? It's the touristy thing to yeah. do. Um, I used to think of it as celebration pizza. Okay. Because, like, you know, maybe, maybe you'd get one for a birthday or, you know, something like that. Like, oh, hey, I want to I do something special. I just graduated eighth grade. Let's go out to Connie's or Gino's or whatever. Um no, most of the time in Chicago, the actual residents are eating what uh, is known as tavern-style pizza. So it's like uh, it's a bit thinner of a crust, kind of like a like a crackery crust, and um, they cut it into into squares instead of into the pie. Oh, okay. Um, it was originated. The reason it's called tavern pizza is because it was originated in one of the taverns. Uh, the owner of the tavern decided he needed something to keep the people in his bar and drinking. So he made this pizza, cut it up into squares so everybody can get some. Mm-hmm. And it is a little bit salty, you know, to, to get that, uh, to get that thirst quenching going on. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or thirst bringing. Yeah. We, I, we're, I grew up one of the a local chain, I would say they always had like the two foot pizza that was rectangular and cut in squares and, it was also salty, but I think it was because there's no, no other flavor on it besides the salt. <laughs> so. Right. Um, see, but ours, it's a, it's circle, but cut into squares. Oh, okay. So um, I know, you know, being, being a kid, you were always, and I only had one brother, like, so luckily I didn't have to fight too hard, but you, you were always fighting for the itty bitty little triangle at at the corners. <laughs> oh, the crusty pieces. <laughs> um, I'm trying. Yeah. Let me see. Chicago Tavern. I'm going to try and send you a picture here. Because um, it'll make it the easiest for, for you to make sense of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That's how uh, that's how I got into Blake. I know I had uh, my uh, my cousin plays for the punk band Alistair. Okay. He's been their drummer since uh, I want to say '03. So my very first episode was with uh, Tim Rogner from Alistair. I actually just uh, got some exciting news there because uh, they haven't been playing much recently because their bass player lives in Japan and he's got a couple bands out there. Okay. So um, they are getting back together this fall to do the 20th anniversary of like their breakout album. Okay. That'd be and cool. they're playing, uh, yeah, they're playing a festival over in Pittsburgh with like descendants and bad religion, all time low. I seen lag wagons on it. Oh, that'd be so, good to go to. Pretty, yeah. Now, if only I can get the time to go. Um, yeah. You know, that, that's the hard part. Time off is rare. So it's, I, uh, I got to see propaganda here a couple weeks ago and it was, the first oh, show I saw, rad. first show I saw since before the pandemic started, and then the three opening bands we interviewed people from each of those bands, 
on our podcast. So it was cool to go to see propaganda Gunny and know some of the people sharing the stage, right? So that is cool. Um, my last show before COVID was uh, Ace Fraley in a small club in uh, the suburbs of Chicago. Oh, really? Yeah. So then uh, my first concert back when they started doing shows in Chicago again was Alice Cooper and Ace Fraley. Oh, really? So I kind of bookended it with Ace. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> what was the idea, man, getting... Uh, the second button podcast going was it just you and brian like hey we love seinfeld let's let's do an episode by episode Um, take on it or well i think like when i start getting a podcast is when i start doing guitar repair and i start listening to six cycle hum tone mob all the all the staples that we know and then that's why brian got me on with his because he wants to talk about guitar repair and stuff and i was doing the business at home and whenever me and brian talked we always had Seinfeld references when I was on the show with them when, and him and Kyle, the regular co-host, they, they, not as much now, but they used to make a lot of Seinfeld references. So then okay, when Seinfeld was coming to Netflix, Brian messaged me and said, we should do a podcast and do an episode by episode podcast on Seinfeld. And that was like one o'clock in the morning for me. And I was like, cool. And then a couple days later, I messaged him and said, on a scale of 69 to 420, how serious were you <laughs> about doing a uh, doing a podcast on Seinfeld? And then we, we did it. So it uh, he watches on Netflix and I bought the DVDs because there is differences. So we can kind of make that references to what what we notice is a difference between the DVD collection and the Netflix collection. So, Well, that's kind of different. Yeah, there's, there's like, edits that... Do- they made for syndication that they didn't like the DVD set is the way it was Mm -hmm. recorded and the way it was meant to be presented initially the order of the shows and everything. And then like there's spots where we're Newman who we know Newman as a character, but Newman's first episode without Wayne Knight, it was just the voice and it was Larry David's voice. And he was just like, you could hear him yelling at the window. So they didn't have an actor in place for that yet. So on Netflix, you hear Newman, so they re-recorded the audio and put it back in that episode. But what I have on the DVD, it's Larry David doing the voice for Newman. So there's little differences like that. Huh. And then the screen's cut different, so like sometimes, like I said, one day, like Elaine wasn't wearing shoes, and Brian's like, oh, I couldn't see her feet. And that's when we're like, wait a minute, so the the screen's actually a different, different... Uh, Size. Oh, the aspect ratio. Yeah, the aspect ratio is different yeah. on the Netflix and the DVD. So there's different things there. And uh and the order is the biggest thing. Like they totally reordered the series. It's one where Jerry and Elaine kind of start dating again and then the next episode they're not, and they never are again. But it was recorded to be the end of season two. But when they put it on TV, it was like the middle of the middle of the season <laughs> so so when they aired it they took their own liberty of oh, when God. they're going to air the episodes and probably because they're competing with whatever yeah. was going on the super bowl or something like that and they're trying to compete with stuff like that but they uh it's interesting to see the difference and it makes it extra work for me because he's watching them whatever comes up on a screen and then i'm like okay what episodes yeah. he watching this week right to make sure i'm watching the right one but it's fun to do yeah that's that's kind of funny yeah you know, I watch a I watch a lot of shows that 
are uh oh how, how do you put it like soap opera ish you mm-hmm. know like uh chicago fire chicago pd chicago med yeah. where they they have to air it in the order otherwise like it's just not going to make any sense yeah you know? exactly. but yeah. you know to take to to take something, you know, like Seinfeld or even, I mean, heck, a lot of the episodes of like Letterkenny, if they, if they flip those around, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of weird. I didn't, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought that that's the way, uh, things went, but then again, like you said, you know, they're, they're out there busting for ratings. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think today they wouldn't do it as much, but back in the early 90s like yeah whatever just it was all money fueled it wasn't really storytelling fueled at all yeah that and um i'm just trying to think you know being like you said jerry and elaine start dating then you never see it again yeah at least if if they toss that at the end of the season then it makes sense like okay well in between this season and the next season they broke up and now that's why they're not together again yeah exactly (laughs) yeah and I, I think well, yeah, they thought they were getting canceled, so they just did that because the network kept wanting yeah. to have them. They're like, make them a couple, make them a couple. And they're like, no, we don't want them to be a couple. So at the end of that season, when they thought they were getting canceled, they're like, we'll do it now just to kind of give an FU to NPC. And then they picked them up yeah. for another season. And then, of course, that's when it took off and it became one of the biggest sitcoms of the decades. Or maybe yeah. of all time, actually. <laughs> so, And, yeah. you know, 180 shows later. and Yeah, exactly. Oh God! So yeah, that's and you do that weekly. We do that biweekly, yeah. And then, biweekly, okay. And then my other ones every two weeks, so I try to stagger them off, so I'm not working on too much at once. I gotcha. It takes a lot uh, more time than I thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I I don't know, you know, how deep you get into editing, or you know, how much is needed mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, but. Um, that's one of the, one of the big hassles that I think, uh, coming into this is, uh, shown me because I thought, you know, I don't know, uh, what you record on, but I thought that going into it, I was going to be, oh, you know what? Pro tools is the industry standard. Let me go and I'm going to download pro tools and, you know, pay for, pay for the year or whatever it is. And then I realized after, I don't know, the first three episodes, like I really can't stand pro tools. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know. we record ours with a zoom pod track. We, oh, okay. So me and my brother both bought one at the same time in January and, uh, it records four tracks in and there's four independent audios out that take all four tracks together. You can plug a phone in for one of the tracks. You can use USB for another track. So it's good. You can kind of, it's versatile for all that. There's four XLR okay. inputs, so we can do mobile recording. You can run off battery. So we can have four regular mics plugged into it. So if you go interview a band on site, we can just take this with us, no computer, and run it off of that. Okay. Um, it has yeah. drops in it. So like our theme songs in there with the drop and everything. And uh, so I use that to do most recording. Then I edit it in Audacity because Audacity's free and simple, right? And it's just for vocals. It's It's great to edit. Um, when I first started the yeah. East Coast DNA, I was editing it down quite a bit. Um, if we talk over each other, if we said a lot of ums or ahs or 
other Nova Scotia, Canada things. Like <laughs> we would, we would uh, edit them out. But I found when I went back and listened to it, that I found kind of robotic. It didn't sound natural. It wasn't enough breathing room. So I started editing less. And now I just, if mm-hmm. we say something and we mess it up and we want to take it out, I'll go back and edit that out. And uh, once I started doing video, I found I was editing the audio a lot less because it's a lot harder with video. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Now they do video. I marry the audio up to the video and line everything up. And then I pull it back out of the video, edit the audio on its own for levels. And then I put it back into the video. So it's a good, it's a good half a day on a regular episode just to make it all sound and look presentable. So, yeah. Um, I'm not into the video thing yet, so I don't have that, you know, as being an, an issue. Um, so I do this podcast and then I do another one called you do you with my friend, Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, it's essentially the two of us just talking random shit, you know, just hanging out and being like, um, the episode that I just dropped today is telling stories about summer, like the time when Lake Michigan tried to kill me and, um, <laughs> you know, what, what's our favorite summer drinks and summer movies, things like that. So, um, excuse me. Uh, those ones I end up having to edit a little more heavily because, um, we'll record two of them in a day usually. Mm -hmm. And then there's times where we'll be sitting here and he's sitting directly across from me and he'll just put up his finger and I'm like, Oh great. He has to go to the bathroom. And he doesn't want me to stop recording. So now I have to keep on chugging along for the minute while he's gone. And, um, you know, sometimes that gets a little monotonous of me just blab, 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 blab. So, you know, I'll cut that down. Um, or, you know, the coughs and things. Yeah. You know, I, I like to cut those out because those, I, uh, I've been a smoker for almost 30 years. So it's, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got, I've got a little bit of a smoker's cough and it, uh, don't smoke people. Smoking is bad. I gave that up. 2000. Yeah. Summer 2011. I gave it up. So. Oh, good for you. I was trying to add up how many years ago it was, but yeah. Almost 11 years. This summer, com- so, yeah. Coming on 11. Yeah. And the, the first, the first couple months were awful. Like just the, your lungs re, regrowing bits that weren't there for years because you burnt them off and it was painful right it's painful to heal but it was it was painful enough to heal that i'll never smoke again because i don't want to go through the healing process if i quit again so yeah but even like a cigar or Um, anything my my father-in-law smokes cigars and i just sit beside him i don't even touch the cigar because i'm scared i'll like it (laughs) yeah yeah. um what mentally was the hardest thing for you quitting um i think it was just once i made the decision that part wasn't as bad i i did use the uh thrive gum and okay uh, so if i was craving and i found that thrive worked it's softer than the nicorette the nicorette's hard and it's not like gum but this is just like chew and try that and it gives you that okay you know when you're really craving you light your cigarette and you get that full body kind of relief and the Thrive gives you yeah. that relief. 
So I was, okay. I was hooked on that for nine months, but then I gave that up too. Because, so. <laughs> uh, you know, I've just like any smoker, you know, you you quit maybe for a couple months and then you go back or, you, yeah. you know, you, you quit, you get a couple weeks in, you go back. You know, I've always found that a couple of the hardest things are um, drinking because mm -hmm. like as soon as I, as soon as I crack a beer, I want to start having cigarettes, Yeah, you know? Um, and then the, uh, like the after meal thing. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. I found the after meal is when I noticed, um, I drank coffee. I quit drinking coffee and started drinking tea. And I found that was enough for that to break that mental habit. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I found, and I, I was, getting into a new relationship at the time as well. So it was kind of a fresh start for a lot of things and her not smoking made it a lot easier for me not to want to smoke. Cause I remember yeah. when I didn't smoke, what smokers smelled like. So I figured if someone's dating and a smoker. It was, I found it was easier to not just, she have to smell all the time. But, and now we're, yeah. we've been married for a while. So, you know, it, it paid off. So. <laughs> See, and that's, that's funny. Cause my, my wife, like, she'll give me this look when, when we're out and I go to smoke. She's just like, uh, again, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> like, you know, sorry, you're the one that decided that we should go to the meadery, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so yeah, good for you, man. When I started smoking, yes. you just smoked every, you're in a restaurant, you just smoke in the restaurant. If you're at the mall, you just had a cigarette at the mall. Like it was you smoked mm -hmm. everywhere. I could imagine now yeah. looking back, like. If you bought clothes, if you're a non-smoker, it must have been awful. You go buy a, a sweater and you come home and it smells like cigarettes. Like it just it must have been a, awful to be a non-smoker back then. <laughs> right. And I, I think that uh, we're probably around the same age. I'm 39. Yeah. I'm a couple years older. <laughs> 42. Years. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. So not bad. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we probably would have traversed the halls in high school together at least for a year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like we were just talking about that, uh, the smoking thing the other day, we were at a restaurant and like, um, remember when restaurants had the non-smoking section and the smoking section, yeah, but right like, beside each other, <laughs> right beside each other. Maybe there was like a lattice wall, like yeah. nothing that's even like breaking it up completely. Um, we had a restaurant where there's a little platform area. It was almost like a bar where like where the DJ would be was like this platform mm -hmm. area in this restaurant and the smoking area was the ground part and the non-smoking area was the elevator part. <laughs> so the smoke all rose up to where the non-smoking yeah. area. Oh God, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's funny to go back and look at, uh, you know, old TV shows and stuff like with people. Cause, um, I don't know if your place of, employment is like mine we've been hiring in a lot of young kids like mm -hmm. uh born after 2000 and with that i'm getting uh a lot of kids who you know they never lived without ipods mm -hmm. or at least they don't remember living without ipods uh they pretty much had um smartphones their whole lives no smoking anywhere and I'll go back and be like, oh, hey, have you seen such and such movie? And they're like, oh, no, because for some reason, 
all of them that they're hiring in are completely uncultured. If it happened before they were born, it doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah. So I'll show them a movie and then they're like, why are they smoking in the hospital? And I'm like, because you used to be able to do that. And they're like, ew. Yeah. I remember, I remember when they stopped smoking in the rooms and then there was a, a smoking room in the hospital. And it was just, it was just a cloud of smoke. You couldn't see one room to the other. It was just disgusting. But I had a, yeah. I had a new hire work with me a couple of years ago. And I always ask, like, what kind of music to listen to just to kind of set the mood for the day. And it was classic rock. And this is when Greta Van Fleet was starting out. I said, what do you think of Greta Van Fleet? Because they're classic rock sounding, but they're newer. He goes, they're not classic rock. They're oldie sounding. I'm like, okay. I was like, so classic rock. Give me some names. Well, you know, like Weezer, Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. Yep. That's when I realized I was the, the old guy at that point. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I was just talking about that the other day with somebody, and it's like, yeah, Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, that's all classic rock now. It's, it's weird, you know? Yeah. Like, um, I'm, I'm still of the, you tell me something about 20 years ago, and my mind automatically goes to the 70s. Yeah. And, and then it clicks, and it's like, oh, they're, talking about like post 9-11 is 20 years ago shit <laughs> well, i saw i saw something said if dazed and confused was recorded today the the movie not the song it'd be the same mm -hmm. as as a movie with the class of 2005 <laughs> so yeah yeah and uh if billy corrigan was to write the song 1979 today and have it be as far back as it was from when he wrote it in 95 uh he'd be singing a song about 2006 that's that's disgusting. <laughs> I was looking about the, I was listening, yeah. listening to Green Day one day the, on on YouTube, like the videos, and the uh, performance from Woodstock '94 came on, and I was thinking that was 28 years ago. <laughs> that was, and that was the 25th anniversary of Woodstock. So, yeah, yeah. So I remember when when Woodstock '94 happened. I was like Woodstock. I thought that was so long ago, and now it's been longer. So, yeah. So yeah. We feel yeah, it. Ain't that wild. <laughs> and yeah. uh, that that set was so great too. I've got it on. I've got it on vinyl. Uh, yeah, it was a good. One. That and well, getting to watch it's fun too because you know if anybody hasn't watched Green Day at Woodstock '94, they end up getting into a mud fight with the crowd. Okay. Uh, Mike Dern got tackled and like semi beat up by the security guards because they thought that he was just a fan on stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they were just kind of yeah, breaking that it then. Been yeah. wild. Yeah, it was good. And Nine Inch Nails so, at that too. That's what that, that kind of made Nine Inch Nails that performance. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause they were pretty much just still a small band before that. Yeah. Cause let's see 94 yeah 94 would have been the same year downward spiral came out so i'm not sure if it came out before or like right after woodstock yeah i think it was right after because they were trying to that's what it was it was a uh, pepsi was promoting woodstock and they thought okay we'll do this we'll be sellouts and we'll do this and get money to make another album and then they took off <laughs> so yeah they didn't think it was going to be that big. They thought it was just going to be a payday. They didn't realize it was actually going to be a huge, a huge thing at the time. So. Yeah, here looking at it, um, it would have been before because Woodstock oh, really? happened in the summer and um, <clears throat> it dropped in March. Okay. But I, I wish I could see. 
Um, so yeah, Closer had just released as a single like right before Woodstock happened. Okay. So yeah, that's definitely though what blew him up. And I mean, God, I just remember, you know, that video on MTV all the freaking time after that, you know? Yeah. So, or, um, do you get MTV up there? Uh, we got much or is music, it just much, much. And then, okay. But some of the, some of the MTV stuff bled over, but we didn't have the actual channel. No. Yeah. See now, um, here growing up in the, um, in the nineties, at least with the, uh, the TV that we had, I think we had dish network or something like that. Um, we got MTV and MTV two, but then we also got much. So okay. it was cool to be able to watch some of that, especially, uh, Oh my God. They used to do the, um, like the concert or the, uh, album release Q and A's and then concerts. Yeah. Like that was a blast. Um, I remember I sat and watched live as Silverchair did their one for Freak Show in '97. Oh, really? That's st- still a great performance. Yeah. So, um, how long you been playing, dude? Oh. Now I'm. Now I'm thinking about breaking the mind bank. I think I was 15 when I started. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was the same. Pick- Picked up my parents' acoustic guitar and learned "Come As You Are" from my friend down the street that had a band. Had a really good band, mm-hmm. and then after high school, they all moved apart and never did anything. But they were amazing. But uh, yeah, started off learning some Nirvana songs on old acoustic. My parents still have it. It was like a wedding gift for them, I think. So the, okay, the guitar would have been from '74. <laughs> and nice. Uh, well, here we are again. I'm like this old guitar. Like, I have guitars that are older than that now that I bought myself. So. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, not me. Uh-huh. Well, kind of. I've got a body, but that one doesn't count because it's not running yet. Yeah. But yeah, so uh started back then and uh, had the bands in high school and stuff. And then once I started working, on, when I first started as a paramedic, we made less than minimum wage. We worked at least 100 hours a week. So the music kind of fell away for a while. And then yeah, about a decade later, I started picking it up again. And I've been going a little stronger ever since. And then. Started doing repairs and setups and stuff and kind of got involved in the scene a little more with that. So. And then I took stage. My first time on stage since high school was a few years back now, but it was with Green Jello. Um, Bill Manspeaker still tours around and he gets locals to come up and play his music and he sings. So it was a it was a good night. <laughs> oh, that's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, I've been listening to those guys since the early 90s. So Yeah. Actually, I... My last time on stage would have been a high school battle of the bands. I think the year after I graduated, but the rest of my band was in high school. And we did Three Little Pigs. And then I didn't play on stage for 20 years. And then when I went back on stage, I was with with the guy that sang Three Little Pigs. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. Um, you know, one thing that I think a lot of people don't realize about that band is that Tool got... Uh, Maynard and Danny Carey both out of Green Jelly. Yep. Green Jello. And, uh, you know, the EP, Opiate, the live recordings were done in Bill Manspeaker's loft. Oh, really? Yeah. And, uh, and, oh. uh, at that performance where they recorded those songs, uh, Tom Rello and, uh, 
and Zach were in the crowd at that same show. So I'm pretty sure that's that the, crazy. Um, I always wonder if the Bob Marley one of you motherfucker is Zach because he had the dreadlocks back then, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So Tool Rage all kind of started off playing in his loft. It, it, I didn't get quite the same success playing with him, but <laughs> we can always wish. Yeah, and at least you got a story to tell. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, people out there, go back out, listen to Three Little Pigs, the high-pitched, not-by-the-hair-on-my-chinny-chin-chin. That's that's your Maynard Keenan. Yeah. You know. Um, so, um, what got you into the... Um, <clears throat> into the repair and stuff like that was it just you know starting from fiddling with your own instruments or yes i was where i lived there wasn't many uh people to repair guitars you could take it to the local shop and if you drop it off any day of the week they're like next saturday they'll fix it it's always like you always had to wait at least a week and uh yeah so i wanted to learn how to repair my own stuff but i only had so much stuff to repair at the time so I'd buy a Squire for 50 bucks off someone online and I'll take it home, strip it down, clean it, undo all the connections, put it all back together, sell it for a hundred bucks. I did that a few times just to kind of get used to it. And then someone yeah. asked me if I can work on his. I'm like, oh, I can do that. And then I realized, hey, I, I like doing this. And it was a good opportunity for me to get my hands on all different instruments and kind of just play with them. So... Yeah. The, the best part of doing a repair was doing the testing afterwards because I got to play someone else's guitar for a little bit and try all the different models and stuff. So I did, I did when I first started, it was more like setup and repair is what I was doing. So I enjoyed doing the yeah. setups, the the refurbs and setups and cleaning guitars up and stuff. And when people get it back, it just plays easier and it's more presentable. And just that it was rewarding to take something someone loved and then make it newer again for them. So yeah. So did you um, did you end up going and working at a shop, or did you just kind of do stuff out of, out of the house? Just out of the house. And okay. Then, uh, did it for a couple of years, and then when I moved, I didn't restart it yet. But I took the uh, the name Andrew's Alcove um, was my repair repair business, and actually for that it was a student of mine when I'd done the mentorship for like three months of them. And he's going back to BC and he stopped my house with a, with a $70 bottle of whiskey. So we went down the basement to drink that. And it was, there's a sign above the stairs and we said kids cave to go downstairs, mm-hmm. but the kids never want to go to the basement because it was only half finished and they didn't, they didn't care to. So I was working on it and finishing it off. So I put some flooring down and redid the walls and everything. And uh, he goes, why does it say kids cave? The kids don't come here. It should be Andrew's alcove. And it was just kind of the joke that night. So I picked that name up. Because that's where I end up doing my repairs is down in the basement. Yeah. And uh, so I took that name and then I got business cards made up, leave around town, came up with a logo and stuff. And then I kind of took that and adapted it to everything I kind of do when I do solo stuff. So I have a YouTube okay. channel. I did some, I did reviews for like Donner guitars or pedals and stuff. I did reviews mm-hmm. for them for a while. And, uh, and then some moon stuff, like the cheaper, the cheaper guitar pedals that is reviews for them and stuff. So I started the YouTube channel yeah. for that. And then I, I started TikTok because I don't use it, but you know, 
put my name on everything. So everybody's got to have one. Yeah. Yeah. I got a name and a logo. So I kind of going with that and think we'll get the YouTube up again. I grabbed the handle for a podcast in case I want to do a solo podcast, which I think I might want to because then you don't got to rely on anyone else. <laughs> it's just, yeah, you can do what you want to do. Um, so yeah, I started off with the guitar repair and then just kind of, it grew to kind of be my, my persona when I'm doing my individual stuff. So, so yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Especially, um, you know, the Donner and, and more stuff. Cause I love that you can go out and get their pedals and, you know, most of them are under a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them you can get for 30, 40 bucks. And, um, I'm looking over, I can't see because something's in the way, but, um, one of them makes a clone and, you know, I'll put it up next to my Archer and it sounds great. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I got a, I got a Stratocaster from them. I'm not a Strat guy, but it's, it was good. I got a Telecaster from them. The Telecaster is great. I guess same compared to like a Squire level, but yeah, it's still, I, uh, still. I might be a Strat oh, guy. You are a Strat guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the pedals and stuff. There's a drum, a drum pedal looper, and it's fantastic. I know Ryan Burke from Sixty Cycle Hum. He has one, and he said he uses it all the time. And then uh, that ended up getting to the point where because they'd send me the stuff to review, and then. Mm-hmm. I'll order it, and then they'll pay me back once I did the review. They'll pay me back for the value of the item. Then they asked me one time, do you want to review a piano? I'm like, yeah, sure, thinking it was going to be a keyboard. Nope. Full-size electric piano. Sounds fantastic. Weighted keys. It's like $800. It's up in my living room right now. Oh, gosh. And uh, I was like, okay, this is where they're getting me. This was their end game. I still didn't really trust it. But I uh, reviewed it and showed them proof of review, and then they're like, here you go, 800 bucks in the <laughs> wired through so yeah it was cool oh that's cool yeah now they don't do it anymore um, they, they, I think they were doing it just until they got their business kind of known and now they're yeah they're well known now so yeah big enough um, and you know that's one of those one of those funny situations and I know I've heard people be like well I want to I want to be a gear reviewer and I'm like, well, why? And they're like, because I get all the free shit. And it's like, no, see, that's not what it's about. It's about, you know, being objective to this and yeah. finding if you like it and and not. And for one, you know, you're not going to get most companies throwing you free gear when you're nobody yet. No, like, no. Yeah. You got to make a name for yourself. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and do so, it because do it because of the love of music or instruments or whatever. Don't do it because you want the free stuff. The free stuff is nice. Nice fallout from it at the end, but you just can't let the freeness change your opinion on things, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, I guess, one of the, uh, one of the big hurdles to finding objective people doing gear reviews is, you know, you got to think, okay, so this company gave this to them for free. Are they actually going to say anything bad about it? No, probably not. <laughs> yeah. And there's a few, the, well, the people I kind of lean towards are the people I know that if they really don't like a product, they'll contact the manufacturer and say, I don't like this. I can still do a review. It's going to be awful. <laughs> right? Yeah. 
And so I can not do the review and send it back, or I can do the review and still send it back. But just so you know, if I do the review, if I do a video, it's not going to be, not going to be favorable. Not, not going <laughs> to yeah. be flattering. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, that's another thing that, that people need to realize with certain reviewers is that they, you know, oh yes, every video that I've seen from them is, is a glaring, you know, a, a beautiful review about this thing and that thing. And they don't see that part in the background where it's, Hey bud. Yeah. I'm just not going to do this because it's going to be bad. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, and you know, it's hard to, you know, especially, um, in, in the gear industry, you know, certain people have, uh, gotten themselves bad names for multiple reasons, whether it's, you know, being, uh, racially insensitive or completely lying about, you know, what you've done and who you are, Yeah. you know, to, to get your, your name out there. So, you know, trying to find the good legit people is, is difficult, but I mean, I guess that's not just in, uh, in the gear world. That's kind of, kind of all over. You got to yeah. weed through the people to find out who's actually your friend or, you know, weed through your family members to see which ones you don't want to deal with anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So sometimes, you know, oh. some, sometimes you think, you know, some really well, then they just come up with something out of left field and you're like, they're just trying to get right. to me, but no, that's the way they feel. Then you kind of got to, you can have disagreements, but sometimes there's a line like yeah. the racial sensitivity or homophobia or something. You're just like, ah, oh, I don't know if I want to be around you right now. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Where's, where's the deal breaker? Yeah, exactly. You know, think looks like we're getting pretty close to the end here um you want to toss out all your different uh projects and channels again so that everyone can go check you out yeah so uh in the non-music world we have the second button podcast you can find that most places you can find a podcast and our instagram account as well is at the second button um we're on twitter as well it's a second button cast so two nd button cast because it's twitter and stupid you can only have so many characters um mm -hmm. the exos dna podcast we're on youtube and anywhere you can find a podcast we have a link tree it's link tree backslash east coast dna is that one and uh and then me myself on andrew zalkov on youtube twitter instagram kind of everywhere and maybe uh, a solo podcast in the future. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully, uh, hopefully that happens. What, now, have you put any thought into that yet? I like what what I've been brainstorming. Would it be about? Yeah, because oh, okay. my uh, the YouTube stuff I do is all gear based stuff, um, and that there is pretty much just so I can kind of learn editing and stuff, and then kind of get out of my own way and put something out there just to kind of show myself that I can put stuff out there and not worry about what other people think. Cause it really doesn't matter. Um, so the podcast, I was thinking maybe more like a blog style, just cover whatever, whatever tickles my fancy that day that I want to talk about. So, okay. Yeah. But I'm not really yeah, sure. I, I'm brainstorming. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, being that that's the way my other podcast is, like, it's really nice because you don't have to stick to 
one thing. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not stuck. Okay. You know, I guess I'm just talking about pedals again. Nothing's come out in the past week. You know, yeah. um, uh, this week's a little different cause it's Nam, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everything's uh, out this week. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually, I'm kind of interested, uh, Usually, I'm pretty good with keeping up on uh, PremierGuitar.com mm-hmm. for Na- for Nam Week because every day they're putting out videos and posts, and uh, I just I haven't yet. So um, my wife is gone today. She's uh, doing a uh, she's a she's a dispatcher, so she's dispatching a special event today and uh, and tomorrow. So she's gone uh, about four or five hours away in the state uh, and, and stay in there for the next couple of days. So maybe I can, maybe I can get into, into that today and look and see other than that, uh, other than that third man dual two fifty that yeah. seems to have hit um, what else has come out. Cause that's really the only thing I've seen so far. Yeah. The, the dual micro amp or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, I know uh, one of my friend's dads is uh out there presenting some new stuff for Kitar, but, uh, you know, new MIDI stuff, I guess. Uh, I saw something that he posted on his Facebook, but I didn't get too deep into looking into that either. So, okay. but, um, Hey man, thanks for, uh, giving me your time today. No problem. And, um, hopefully you finish healing up from from your illness here and, oh, I and freaking hope get so. yourself back on the boo-boo bus <laughs> yeah so uh for andrew this is john everybody have a great week <laughs>